Sorry. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Uh, yep, buddy. You ready to do this thing? Do, 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 do. Back in black. Back in black. I'm already recording. I know. Hello, <laughs> hello, hello, and welcome back to the 52 Week Film Project. Woo! Hey! We have been gone for about a month, but we are now back. We obviously had to come out of hiding for Avengers Endgame. This is the culmination of what, 11 years of Marvel Studios films? 11 years, yeah. What? So, I mean, we just thought, let's fuck off the news, let's you know fuck that- off all that other little stuff that we do and let's just go go in. straight in I will say heart. that they've been like it's the, they, the big publicity about it's been 10 years 10 years Incredible Hulk film oh shit yeah yeah, yeah because you had the um, Edward Norton yeah 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 or was that after Iron no, Man 1? No, 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 no. So there was the Ed Norton one, which is technically in the Marvel Studios canon, but was dreadful. Yes. And then before that, you had the Ang Lee, Eric one. Banner film, which I always remember being really scared of as a child because there's a really horrible scene where the dad, like, beats the mum or kills the mum or something. Do you know oh, what God. I'm talking about? I've never seen that film. He had, no, I have. I've seen him 20 minutes of ITV4. He had an abusive father, didn't he? And yes. they really play on that. But, like, loads of people regard that as the, like, OG Marvel film mm. because, or, or like OG comic book film because that came out just before the Spider-Man the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films did right? I think so I'm, or have I, I got that the wrong way around? Well I don't know if it's I don't know if uh, my mind is either it's 2005 or 2001 which would mean it's before 2001 I think okay well then because if you think about it so like the first technically speaking the first film in this huge Marvel what they're now calling the Infinity Saga Oof. um is Iron Man. Yes. So uh, John Favreau's Iron Man in 2008 was kind of the thing, kind of the catalyst for where we are now. Kind of, in many ways, for both me and you, a catalyst for why we're actually sat in this room recording. I know, it's a big thing for our generation in terms of films, because starting with Iron Man and moving on, I think it's changed the game in terms of how we watch films and in terms of event cinema, and we're all about events. Yeah, completely. I mean, we love love a good bit of event cinema, but we were also like... On the way here, I was reading this really interesting article, which was... Uh, oh, by the way, we are recording in Will's swanky new house. I know. On, our, on my sofa in my room, it's all very exciting. I like I like it a lot. It's yeah, amazing. I mean, it's, it's a pop-up shop, really, isn't it? We're, a, we're a still a long way from our own professional studio, but we'll get there. Yeah, we'll no, there. this is as close to a professional studio as we ha- have had yet. Yeah, I mean, um, there's a bit more peeling wallpaper than my dad's office. I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. <laughs> oh. But no, so we... Um, on the way here on the train, I was reading this article which was saying that um, there are two particular genres of film at the moment in cinema that are seemingly impossible, like that they, they can't fail. And those are superhero franchise films. No matter how shit they are, they still pull in big money. I mean, look at Venom, mm-hmm. right? And also the the high concept horror film. Yeah, exactly. So, the so Jordan Peele's. Yeah, the Jordan Peele's, your Get Out, your Us, but also like Stephen King's It, when that came out yeah. a couple of years ago. And it, it, those are the two safest genres in film at the moment, which I, I find absolutely fascinating because horror for about six or seven years in the kind of the early tweens didn't really do very well and it's only been since about 2016 that it's become kind of this really popular thing to consume you know gone are the days of kind of gory saw films well not completely but like they're not the things that are gathering publicity anymore it's more the horror films now are more about a psychological horror and idea horror whereas the old horrors used to be jump scares like old horrors being 2000s horrors like they used to primarily rely on a scary witch looking character Mm. a child with black goo coming out of its eyes delicious (laughs) 
<laughs> or like um, a jump scare with a crow or something. I don't watch a lot of horror. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, he picks up on the main parts of the Conjuring films. Yes, exactly. And they're on like what the sixth one now. Exactly. They're that... on, like they're on like their third Annabelle film, and Annabelle's a fucking spin-off. I haven't watched any of them, but how can you make a spin-off so successful yep. that there's three three films lined up? Oh, well, I suppose like. The only thing I can compare it to is when uh, the trailers came on pre-Endgame. Uh, they had the new trailer for Hobbs and Shaw, the Fast and Furious spin-off. Did you see it? Was it in your showing? Um, uh, yeah, yes, I did see it. Oh, I have seen it previously. Oh, my God. So I've seen the first trailer and I thought, yeah, this looks like it's going to be fucking fun. But this trailer, they have this whole section that they reveal where The Rock goes back to his, like, Samoan roots. And they, like... <laughs> he, 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 he basically gets the whole of the All Blacks rugby team together and they beat the shit out of cars with, like, massive sticks. I cannot believe how nuts that film is and it stands to reason that that is probably going to be another spin-off that gets at least three movies yes exactly I'd like to see an Annabelle type like third part of that like a terrifying part of that but obviously the other side to the horror stuff is the superhero franchises obviously Marvel Studios kind of leading the charge DC they kind of recently they've been improving Shazam I caught a couple of weeks back it was actually surprisingly good good okay Um, I I was a bit worried about Shazam we both enjoyed Aquaman we definitely both we, enjoyed Aquaman. We both loved Wonder Woman. That was a terrific film. Yeah, it was pretty yeah, damn good. And they've got another one on the way. Yeah, I, I think that they failed with the Justice League. Like they tried oh, to massively. do what Mar- they tried to do what Marvel did, and they didn't do it as well, and then it got really slated. <laughs> well, Whereas now, what they're doing is making more standalone films in the universe, and that's good. It's building up again. Yeah, I mean, DC's two biggest issues are the fact that Superman is boring. Yeah, and Batman was done horrendously bad with Ben Affleck. Yeah, and also Superman and Batman at this point is, is so overdone that it's like you're comparing a whole host of characters yeah. on TV and, and film. But we're also in an interesting stage with DC where the villains are shining more. I mean, we've got this this basically Suicide Squad total reboot, they're now calling it. Not a soft reboot when James Gunn signed on. It's like a complete rewrite. Mm. Will Smith's no longer involved. They're eyeing up Idris Elba for what they originally said was going to be Deadshot, but in reality they're just cutting that character out entirely. Oh no! Yeah, apparently they're keeping Jai Courtney as Captain Boomerang and I just like, I can't stand him as an actor and I couldn't stand the character. Of all so... the characters to keep, Jai Courtney as Captain Boomerang yeah, is not the one. I'd even pick Cara Delevingne over that. Really? And she, and she oh, she's terrible. Probably the worst. <laughs> probably the worst performance in a superhero film. Period. Bar none. Bar maybe uh, Halle Berry Catwoman. No, there's there's a, there's an anarchic charm to Halle Berry Catwoman when she sniffs the <laughs> sniffs the what's it called? What's that cat litter thing? Catnip. Called? Catnip. When she sniffs the catnip, it's like coke. <laughs> yeah, it literally was crazy. Yeah, she goes mad, and I like, I appreciate that. Also, her Razzie. Have you seen her Razzie accepting her Razzie Award? She acts up. Razzie fully. Award. So like the the alternative Oscars on it. Yes. Like the shittest yeah, yeah, yeah. Films of the year. So she won for Catwoman, and then she was actually there, and only a few actresses and actors that have been there, and she accepted it and was like fake crying and did like a fake Oscars season. It was just like I can't believe you guys awarded me for making the shittest film. It was great. I really appreciate Halle Berry for doing that. Brilliant. brilliant. Um, but regardless, in the last eleven years since Iron Man, there hasn't really been any films in the Marvel canon that they've released that have been complete and utter shitters. No. Like, what would you say is the weakest one? I would actually say the original Avengers film, for me personally, was a bit bland. I didn't really enjoy it. I didn't really get much from it. 
I rewatched it the other day and I thought actually now in the universe it kind of just sets up a lot of the comedy and tropes of it. Yeah. Like it's not that it's not that interesting of a film, but I still did enjoy it. I think it's Thor the Dark World. Yeah, that's always the one. I see I haven't seen that. So Thor, I've seen bits of it. I haven't I've, really I've seen, seen it. I've seen half of the first Thor movie and none of the second. <laughs> Um, so I can't really call myself a Thor fan but I mean a bit later on I'm probably going to give him a hard time so <laughs> we'll see what happens um, but yeah those are the only bits I haven't seen I've watched all the Captain Americas now Yeah, I only watched the first one very recently um, well Civil War is the one where I went off the Marvel Cinematic Universe for a while because I liked Civil War I thought it was okay but I thought there was such a missed opportunity to do something better and I think it, for me that film went on for like 30-40 minutes too long mm. especially with like the airport scene being so fantastic oh it's incredible and that, that scene for me is just like a little bubble in the film like it's it's, it's only a little encapsulated yeah bit. I've, I've gone back and re-watched just the scene yeah, exactly. Um, I watch that scene all the time. That ten because it's got the comedy, it's got the really cool oh, bits. So it's got well Ant- choreographed. It's got Ant Man going giant for the first time. Yeah, you got sp- the f- well the in- the entrance of Spider Man. Oh, that in the tra- do you remember watching the trailer for Civil War oh, and seeing God. the entrance of Spider Man? Where he's like, "Hey guys, what's up?" Yeah, it's so oh, good. Oh, oh. Tom Holland. Tom Holland. Um, see, I, I I disagree slightly in in that my personal experience was that I didn't. Like, I really enjoyed the Iron Man films. Mm-hmm. They were the ones that I like. Definitely watched every time they came out in the cinema, all three. But I didn't particularly. I, I watched Captain America and the four films kind of in retrospect. I, I I've watched them kind of in the last couple of years, and I've I, I, the catalyst for me genuinely really caring about what Kevin Feige's doing with all of this was Civil War. Mm. That was the film that made me think, oh, like it's basically the unofficial third Avengers film, and it was really really exciting. It really gripped me, and it really laid these foundations that I thought they were going to take really cool places then like Ant-Man came out and a lot of people give Ant-Man a hard time but I thought it was an incredibly sharp really funny heist film Yeah. and the second one obviously we were fans of Ant-Man and the Wasp it just continued that and that was for me the turning point Civil War Um, which is why I think that as incredibly well set up as Endgame has been by Infinity War which is just in a league of its own it's probably the best superhero film ever made we've never had not, never had a chance in this podcast to fully talk about Infinity War can we talk about it for two three minutes how great yeah, it is yeah of course Go it's on. so fucking good it, it's just it, the way it's the action to action shots everything is so fast paced and you never feel like it's lacking no, you all it, feel it, like it's, it's building nev- to a conclusion never sluggish it doesn't feel like there's any dialogue in it that's padding out the film yeah. everything is sharp they don't feel like there are any kind of conveniences that help the plot move along like oh like that's happened oh well that's lucky like that's good isn't yeah, it yeah exactly that's, that's helped advance the story it all feels realistic and and I think the comedy dynamics between all the characters um Especially, especially, and this is a film thing that I missed in Endgame, um, the Guardians and Chris yeah, Pratt and yeah, that yeah. dynamic with the different, the, with both Thor and Iron Man and Spider-Man, it, all of that stuff, the, the it, dynamics worked so perfectly. It also, it also paired together characters you've never seen on screen together, but in a way that they genuinely had chemistry. Oh yeah. Now... Doctor Strange and Iron Man. Now, whoever's whoever's out there listening to this is probably thinking, oh God, here we come. They're going to suddenly say that Endgame is lacking all of those things. In, in a 52-week film project way of, of bucking the trend yeah. of, all the th- of all the positive reviews for this film. But, I mean, I don't know about you, Will, because we watched this separately, but 
and I was going to go and watch it again last night. So I watched it on Thursday night. Last night was Friday night. I was going to go and catch it again. I had a Odeon Limitless ticket, but I actually ended up getting home and watching three hours of YouTube instead. Yep. Which was like really, like when I thought about it, when I went to bed at like 12.30, like before coming here this morning, I was like, you fucking idiot. You're going to be as tired tomorrow morning and you could have watched the film a second time. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, but... I didn't feel as pulled to go and watch it again immediately as I did with Infinity War. When I left the Infinity War screening, I watched it again the next day. I think we both did. Yeah, we both did. And it was like this... Even though I knew exactly what happened, the next day when I was sitting down in there, there was this antsy kind of... Um, kind of adrenaline rush feeling of oh fuck like I'm going to see this happen again like it's going to confirm that what I actually watched last night genuinely happened and the second time I watched it I remember thinking oh, like I was picking up on jokes I was picking up on bits of dialogue that I didn't realise were there I was picking up on little kind of intricacies and easter eggs and it just knitted the whole thing together and it gave me this opinion that Infinity War in, in in many regards as a flawless film I think it's it has it has the best superhero villain I, th- I think possibly ever 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 in a film I think that also I got so bored with the the Thanos like brief encounters we saw in the post credits and also in Guardians the first one I was so bored of that character I was like he, they've, they've given him nothing to do he doesn't look intimidating he looks a bit comic he looks a bit CGI yeah. and then what they did in Infinity War completely won me over he's one of the most nuanced interesting characters and Josh Brolin does such a good job yeah but again like he um, I, I was the same as you there was massive reservations I knew Infinity War was going to be good yeah but my biggest reservation going into watching that movie for the first time was is he just going to be another so-so villain that fits into a really good plot mm. Or is he going to be a commanding presence that really intimidates um, and shocks the viewer? Yeah. And he was all of that and then some. Yeah. And then and he the, also the biggest, has... That was, that was in many ways the biggest surprise of Infinity War for me was how immersed I was in the Thanos character. Because they gave him um, a both a positives and negative sides of him. Yes, the negatives outweighed it at, so that he could be a villain, but they gave him was like an empathetic past where you understand all of the decisions that he's making. He's not just a villain that's doing things because I'm a villain. Yeah. He's doing things because of deep emotional attachments to his worldview, which is really important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean... <laughs> The thing is, though, I mean, have you read the? Have you read any of the comics that had Thanos in them in the first place? No, I I never read any Thanos so, comics. So, like, credit to Jim Starlin, who is the um, creator of Thanos, and subsequent kind of uh, he he was involved in both the script writing for the character, but also the character design. And he actually in Endgame he has a brief cameo. So there's a there's a moment in Endgame. I think what we should do is talk in layman's terms for about ten or fifteen minutes about Endgame with complete spoiler free and then go into it for people that genuinely want That's a good idea. Proper yeah, 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 you, yeah. You think? That works. So so we'll talk about that more in a bit, but like Thanos is this character that has experienced and done so much and won and lost in the Marvel universe in the comics over the years. He's had he's had a he's had a Thanos copter. He's had a like a fucking helicopter that he rides in on. Uh, have you not seen that tweet like Get me, get Thanos to the chopper. 
and it's like this big like there was like this petition on change.org which was like to make sure that the Russo brothers in post-production included a scene where Thanos gets in his chopper oh my god and it got like 600,000 like signatures is he just got the Thanos chopper does he, he doesn't have like a Thanos submarine he turns up and he says something I, I've seen like the comic it was on um, Reddit the other day it's like the, the the Avengers are there or like Adam Warlock's there who was like the guy who tends to fight Thanos a lot in the comics who obviously was teased at the end of Guardians Volume 2 and weirdly they seem to have done nothing with mm. um, I don't know whether that's due to the fallout of what's going on with Guardians um, but the people very much thought one of the leading theories going into Infinity War was that because Guardians 2 had teased Adam Warlock he was going to get involved somehow he then wasn't so briefly people were like oh okay he's going to get involved in Endgame and come to their aid but the presence of Captain Marvel kind of usurped most of those theories because they were like why would they include both of them we'll wait 14 minutes to give, give, to give, give our yeah, 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 yeah Captain Marvel in this film yeah, yeah. <laughs> stay, stay, stay tuned stay true tuned. believers yeah um, <laughs> God, this is going to turn into an Endgame hate podcast, isn't it? No, it's not. <laughs> I really we, love the film. We love it. We genuinely like it. But there are just some things there are we some need moments. to talk about. We need to talk about these moments. Um, <laughs> the Endgame indictment. Yes, exactly. Um, I forgot where we were. Thanos and his copter. Thanos and his copter. Whatever. Um, should we actually go on to spoiler-free Endgame? What do we think? First, initial thoughts. Uh, yeah. Um, leaving the film. Scores on the doors. <laughs> Never do that. <laughs> <laughs> Shooting stars reference, anyone? Hopefully people get that. Um, I, when I walked out the film, I was a bit confused. I had, I was, I felt like I was trying, immediately trying to work out if it was better than Infinity War. And then I realised that that's maybe not the point. I need to think about it as an ending. And then I, and then throughout the film I'd cried. I'd cried twice. Three times, I think. I didn't cry as much as I did in Infinity War, that's for sure. Oh, really? Yeah, like, I... I felt much more emotional about this you, film than you Infinity finish, War. Finish your, finish your case for what you thought. I think, I, think I think that once I, I'd walked out of the film and I was like, this was emotionally touching, this was fantastic, but there was a niggling part of me that was like... Something is wrong about the middle part of this film. Something mm-hmm. something doesn't click together in the ways that I really wanted it to. And then, which means that then the third act of the film, where all shit breaks loose, I, that's not too much of a spoiler. Um, you would expect that in a Marvel movie. Um, Sorry, I wasn't paying attention. I nearly dropped my wine. Yeah, nice. We're, we're drinking wine very it is, early it is, morning. It is 11.30. Yes, it is. Exactly. Exactly. AM, <laughs> not PM, people. We're rock stars. Um... Yeah, it, it just there was a middle part of the film that just didn't quite add up. It didn't mesh together. The cogs weren't fully intertwining, um, and I think it, it let me a bit lost to the end of the film. I was like, I loved it so much, but there are niggles that I can't escape from. Yeah, so so that's kind of I echo the same points there. I mean, you're um, very much how much like how much you enjoy Endgame will be dictated by how invested you are in the original core three characters. So Iron Man. Thor and Captain America. I need Correct. to say Captain Marvel. Um, <laughs> if, if you if you've watched the three Thor films, the three Cap films, and the three Iron Man films, and you've you've been on board since the first Avengers film, you thought it's all incredible. 
you will be massively touched by the fan service and the way they bring it all full circle and they kind of close off for a large part that chapter of Marvel. Yeah. What I found as I was going through Endgame was I realised very quickly... I was never truly, as I was saying with kind of getting on board properly with Civil War, I was never truly on board with the early phase of of Avengers, of the Infinity Saga, which meant that when I was watching this film, I was very much craving more involvement and more on-screen presence from the characters that were killed in the decimation, which conveniently are the characters that are going to be most for the most part moving forward with new films Mm -hmm. so while i understand that they weren't really in it that much obviously it's inevitable it's not really a spoiler you will see those characters in this film i'm not going to explain how yet we'll talk about it in you know t minus 10 minutes but (laughs) but i i uh, about two hours of this film before you get into the final, the big final act where, like, dear God, people do not get up and go to the loo because you're going to really regret it. Yeah. Um, it was just making me think this film isn't necessarily hitting the strokes I wanted it to personally. But I also kind of have to respect the fact that there's not really any way it could because what I'm craving personally is more outings from the characters that are going to be having movies going forward not necessarily the closing off of the chapter on the characters I didn't care about as much that makes sense so this film I have to appreciate the fact that you know the context to this which I think me and Will can both agree on is this film is it's so easy to um kind of relinquish of its flaws and its and its problems of which there are many yeah because of how it closes off this incredible era and even me not being a huge fan of the og avengers i was there i was crying and it, it really is beautifully done but there is an unbelievable amount of waffle in this film that is probably really adored by some true fans, but for me, I found quite boring. Um, and it didn't really do it for me. And it felt like, whereas Infinity War was a similar length, around three hours, but it felt like all the fat was trimmed from the script and it was just sharp, sharp, sharp the whole way through. You know, we were talking about it earlier. This didn't feel like that. It wasn't the same experience for me. This is very slow. It's quite morose for the most part. It it it, it just wasn't as grandiose and impressive as I was expecting it to be. Yeah. Now, I can't sit here and say that that final 45 minutes to an hour isn't near perfect, because it really fucking is. But the first two hours of the film... If you're not an OG original three fan and you don't much care for Ant-Man and the Quantum Realm, you're probably not going to be as swept away by it as you think you'll be. That's a nice that's a nice summary. I have slightly different opinions on the beginning part of the film because I think that the first 40 minutes of the film um minus minus what I think is actually I don't I don't like the opening sequence. I think that What the Hawkeye sequence? You don't like it? I like the Hawkeye sequence. I don't like the 
quickness of the whole resolution. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I find that um, a real careful, struggle. Mate, careful, we're still in spoiler free. You you said the word Hawkeye. I, I just said the oh, quickness. Well, I said. I think I said not, the word. It's not a spoiler to say the opening scene has Hawkeye in it. Let's just deal with that. I think I said the quickness of the if resolution. If there are any soy boys out there that <laughs> want to complain, they can uh, send um, me a letter. I think that um, once it goes, once it properly hits the stride of not the first five to ten minute rush, rush sequence, I think that the next 30 to 40 minutes is just pure character acting. Yeah. And I really appreciated that. I really appreciated it. I thought that it really it really did a good job. Like um, The Dark Knight Returns. And for the first 40 minutes, Batman is not in the suit. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's, 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 it's a, the film centers around the fact that Batman is so wounded from the Dark Knight, which I think is right because it shows so much impact from that film. I think this is the same thing. I think it does a really good job of showing how all the characters in their individual ways have been affected by what the events of Infinity War. I really enjoyed a lot of it. I also thought that Paul Rudd in the beginning parts of the film um, or the end parts of the film or the middle parts of the film. Oh, Paul Rudd was just really good. Paul Rudd was I, fantastic. I think, I think people need to, especially Americans, you need to stop dicking on the Ant-Man franchise. It is probably the <laughs> most unique and enjoyable part of Marvel at the moment. And... So many people were like, oh, like you have to watch Captain Marvel before you go and see Endgame because it's going to be the glue that knits it all together. Captain, oh. Mar- Captain Marvel's the key. Captain Marvel's the key. All right. This is a minor spoiler. Captain Marvel fans, if you haven't seen it already and you're worried about the fact that you're going to go and watch Endgame this weekend without seeing the Captain Marvel film from last month, don't worry. Don't worry. Do not worry. No need Do to not worry. worry at all. No worries. Don't worry at all. No. You're fine. Instead of doing it's that... It's all right. Get a watch, beer. Yeah. Go watch, watch Ant-Man. Watch Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah, Ant-Man and the Wasp is probably the most relevant film to Endgame out of all of them. Which is and every, everyone everyone knows that. You know, the theories, oh, they're going to go to the quantum realm somehow. Like, obviously, everyone knows that. But the, the sheer quantity of reference and use in the movie, especially in, like, the middle part that Will's talking about, um, is massively dictated by how much you enjoy the concept of the Ant-Man films. Yes, I agree. Which I never thought I'd sit here and say. No, <laughs> I know. Um, all of I, 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 game res- focus on, if, I, really, if, I really respect them for doing it, though. Yeah, I saw the film with um, Tom Thornhill, see last, last podcast, um, and he said a very interesting thing, that if you're not a Marvel fan and you're seeing Avengers Endgame, firstly, why are you doing that? Yeah, but, what, what, yeah you're what, not, what are you what's getting from it? But secondly, I think that to an, to an alien or to like a person who's never watched the Marvel franchise, the emotional heart of that film is Paul Rudd. <laughs> Yeah, Paul Rudd is the main character in a way. Paul Rudd, man. Like, he... I remember when I was younger, I must have been about 14, and one of the first kind of naughty, like, American Pie era films that I watched was a movie with him and Sean William Scott, who plays Stifler in the American Pie franchise. Yes. And it's called Role Models. Yep. And it's basically these two guys that avoid going to prison for something ridiculous. I don't know, they're like dealing weed at a school or something. And they're like, they're like massive college dropout losers, but in their late 20s. And they avoid jail time and get probation by getting enrolled in this program where they're given as a mentor to like a teenager. Mm. But both of them have these teenagers that are like fucking losers. One of them does like live action role playing in the forest. And I can't remember the rest of it. But like, <laughs> it's, just, it's just this fucking hilarious film that's also it's got that like crude pie humour 
But I remember watching that and thinking, oh my God, Paul Rudd is hilarious, but like, he's so typecast, he's never going to go beyond that. Yeah. And I am waiting, honestly, after seeing how somber and how, how well he can do Moreau's acting in Endgame, I cannot wait for him to do like a Steve Carell and go and do something like Beautiful Boy, do something really serious that gets him an Oscar nod. There, like, there, yeah. There's a moment in the beginning of the film that, that I've never seen Paul Rudd that emotional, and I... I think it's stunning. I think it's absolutely stunning. How soon are we going to be talking about this non-spoiler? Because I'm yeah. really struggling. All right, all right, all right. So, so, so spoiler-free, general summary, we don't need to convince you to go and see this film. As Will said, if you're not a Marvel fan, like bite the bullet, don't jump on the train, go and watch all the other films, take your time with it. This is probably going to be in cinemas for a month. Yep. You've got more than enough time to go and watch the other films and genuinely sit down and appreciate this movie as a result. If you haven't seen Captain Marvel, Marvel, don't fucking worry. If oh, there's you, a couple of other films you if, don't if, really, really need to worry about. So I, I like what? Um, you don't really need to worry about Black Panther. Yeah, yeah, Panthers don't worry fan. about Black Panther. Uh, you it's great, though. It's a fantastic film. Watch it anyway. You don't... No, I think that's it. It's Black Panther and... and, prop, and but what I would say Captain is... Marvel. this. Pro- because it, you know, it, it sold well like any Marvel film. I don't know tons. A lot of people that I know that are going to see Endgame probably haven't seen Ant Man and the Wasp. Mm. If you have the chance to watch that before you go and watch this, do it. A, it's a brilliant film. B, it holds up as a surprisingly good sequel to a film that surprised everyone. Yeah. And C, it's incredibly relevant. So you can watch this. You, you can know who Ant-Man is and understand what the quantum realm is and go into this blind and still be fine. Yep. You're not going to struggle. But it does add... it For me, it added a depth to watching this movie that meant I actually cared about it more. Yep. I, um, I think that the films that you need to watch before this is obviously Infinity War. If you're, if you're a Marvel fan that has not watched a lot of the films in a long time or have just watched them once and wants to rehash films, I think the films that you need to see are obviously Avengers Infinity War again. Buy it on DVD. Find out how to get it. Um, I think the second one you need to see is Doctor Strange. I think that's useful. Mm-hmm. And then Ant-Man and the Wasp. And then... And then some kind of Avengers film that gets you up to speed with the Avengers type of characters. And then if we're quickly being critical without spoilers, I would say, like, this film, like, fan service-wise, there are so many beautiful moments. It is, regardless of how much you truly care about the original three, you will cry at some point. It is stunning. Everything that we say, especially as we go into the spoilers in a minute, we're going to kind of sound like we're ripping on it a bit. Um, But the... It is a really terrific film. The bar is up there, but because of how much it means to people, especially to the two of us, you can't help but pick at it. Yeah. So this movie is brilliant. Don't assume from what we're saying that it's not. But if you compare it to Infinity War, it's much less bombastic and much more nuanced, which is a massive credit. It's exactly what was needed. However, for me... This Endgame movie, compared to Infinity War, had a lot more fluff, a lot more padding. It had very convenient plot devices that kind of... It it didn't move along in a realistic way at points, which I found quite frustrating because of how how, how high and real the stakes felt in Infinity War compared to Endgame. And... For me, the storyline very much peaked with the end, with the Thanos snap at the end of Infinity War. And Endgame is a fitting end, but it doesn't, for me personally, at any point reach above 
the ending of Infinity War in terms of impact. Yeah, I I think I would agree with that. I I I I have had friends that have completely disagreed with me and think that Endgame is much better than Infinity War. My personal opinion, Infinity War is a near almost perfect film and whilst Endgame is fantastic as a film it does have a bit of inconsistency that means that it doesn't reach the the high echelons of where Infinity War is yeah I mean I mean I mean my opinion is Infinity War is like if you take it just as a movie on its own and you're rating it it's it's a near flawless film Endgame is so strong in terms of what it does to tie off the franchise and and, and how it deals with these incredible characters that you've watched over uh, for over a decade but as a film on its own does deserve a fair bit of criticism yeah I agree now we are going to move into spoiler free now but to give people a chance to quickly unplug their headphones before we tell them exactly what happens right at the end yeah should we do an Infinity War rap an Infinity War rap yeah so I'm thinking that I beatbox and you do like a little like summary of what happened in Infinity War in a rhyme what? Yeah, I mean, well, come on, come on, man. We spoke about this beforehand, right? I oh, got, I count you in. One, two, three. In Infinity War and Endgame. Infinity War. Pretty on. One, two. Iron Man, Doctor Strange. Thanos. Thanos and Infinity Stones. Death! That was well. That yeah, was we summed it up pretty well, right? Yeah, Iron Man and Doctor Strange. So anyway, now for that everyone, death. now for everyone that's uh, here to talk about the film, having seen it. Oh my fucking god, Tony Stark died. What? <laughs> I was literally waiting Jesus for someone to do that. Christ. I thought we were going to do that at the same time. Um, Tony Stark's dead. End of a fucking era. That was the scene that made me cry. That was the scene that made me cry as well, man. I um, did not expect it, but did you expect it? I, yes, so they were going into Endgame, um, I was talking to, so I went to sit with a few mates and we were talking right before the film and we did this round robin of like, everyone picked two things that they think are definitely going to happen in this film and my two were, Tony Stark is not coming out of this alive, he just can't, um, I I regret it because I would have sounded like an absolute fucking theoretical, theoretical badass but I almost said in that conversation he's going to die while saying I am Iron Man um, and I would have just been like a fucking messiah if that if I'd said that um, the second thing that I said is that Captain America isn't going to die but he's going to pass the mantle on yes um, I, that, that I did think was going to happen right now I mean should we go through this by quickly talking about like the biggest most exciting moments in the film uh, yes let's do that Let, let's, if, if we're going spoiler heavy so Black Widow and Tony Stark don't make it out of this alive yes how sad were you at Black Widow dying I wasn't I, was, I wasn't, I wasn't really I, um, but this this, this again goes back to what I was <coughs> saying about not being really an OG Avengers fan like yeah, obviously two people were going to have to go and retrieve the soul stone and someone was going to die it was very fucking convenient that two people who are long known in the franchise for loving each other dearly went imagine if fucking Ant-Man and the Hulk went to go and get the soul stone yep. and the Red Skull was like you have to kill something that you love the most <laughs> I mean, Jeremy Johns, reviewer, said it best. He was like, imagine if the two of them went and the Hulk just sort of looks at him and goes, well, you know, you're all right. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. It's very convenient that's the case. But yeah, I, I, 
I understand what they were doing because the whole thing in the first Avengers is that um, Hawkeye previously saved Black Widow out of a life of being a paid assassin and being a bit emotionally devoid and saved her in life and then brought her to S.H.I.E.L.D. However, what that does what that does mean is that, and then later on, like what happens is that Scarlet, no, not Scarlet Witch, Scarlet Johansson, Black Widow. There we go. Wrong um, Scarlet. Scarlet. <laughs> um, she saves Hawkeye because Hawkeye's like, I don't have anything to live for. I I I don't need to. My family are dead. I've just killed loads of people. Um, we're going to talk about him as Ronan in a bit because I need to talk about that scene. Um, and then Black Widow, after like trying to both kill themselves, essentially, Black Widow falls to their death. I understand the poetic of Black Widow saving Hawkeye when Hawkeye was irredeemable, inverted commas, when Hawkeye saved Black Widow when she was irredeemable. It just felt like it was being played too much for that. Does that make sense? Like it, it felt it felt sloppy. To to me it to me it felt like, oh, we're an hour in and we haven't done anything really fuck you. We need to kill a character. Who are we gonna kill? Okay, well Clinch just come back and is more enjoyable as a character than he's ever been. So let's not kill him. Let's kill someone that people actually care about. But it just the scene the scene is so well choreographed. It's like them fucking Oh, that's amazing. Even as like predictably set up as it is, when it actually comes to it and they both want to take their own lives to save the other, it is this incredibly powerful moment, which is beautifully shot, of them both basically trying to run to their deaths and then both like zapping each other and pulling them back and trying to prevent each other from killing themselves. And yeah. what what struck me um, was while watching it, even if it was a little bit like, oh, to be honest, I don't really care which one of you dies, and this was very, this was a very obvious thing to happen. I still was watching it and thinking, Christ, you're watching two characters who are incredibly likable fighting to kill themselves. That was like like some like some kind of fucked up suicide pact and it was really um when the concept when the notion of that got through my head while I was watching it I was really like oh this is quite unsettling really. <laughs> I think like the fact that they are so determined so so determined to reverse the decimation and get back to things the way they were that they will literally throw themselves off a platform oh, yeah that made me feel quite uncomfortable and that was where it got quite effective for me so it wasn't either of them dying that really impacted me it was just the pure concept of how devoted to the cause they were that really hit me i can completely agree with that i think what makes this scene not as impactful and why i'm not as upset that black widow died is because Jeremy Renner, seemingly at the beginning. So Jeremy Renner. Jerry. 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 Okay. Uh, <laughs> like 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 Okay, we'll go with that. Um, the bottle of wine is now finished. Just to let everyone know. Um, Hawkeye at the beginning of this film, um, for comic book fans, has unofficially but kind of spiritually assumed the role as Ronin after the death at the beginning of the film of his family um, in the snap. 
Um, and I think, and I want to say that the beginning sequence and the introduction to Hawkeye again was so damn cool. I have never seen. It's so cool that it was lit. It was uh, it was shot underneath. So you're looking at all these rooftops like someone was lying down on the floor and filming them, and that was really cool. I love the camera angles. Yeah, the choreography um, was great. It was so Kill Bill and the fight in yeah. Tokyo, um, and it was also the, set in Tokyo. It was the, so Kill Bill. The only bugbear that I had with it was. Um, like Marvel Studios, you never seem to be able to do subtitles in a way that actually looks cool and not really tacky. Like they had like Ch- I'm assuming Chinese or Japanese oh, yeah. subtitles because no, no, he's, right. he's fighting like yakuza in the streets, and they, they always they've done it a few times in their films, and I've always thought the subtitles look really naff. And I'm a bit of a subtitle connoisseur lately. I've watched my Pan's Labyrinth. I've watched my you know a few European films. And I just think that it always looks a little bit shit. Yeah. And I watch it and I think, oh, like that's not formatted right. And oh, it all looks a bit rubbish. And why did they use that font? It looks really awful. And so it just took away from the scene for me. I actually would have rather them either all speak an American dub and people just be like, yeah, fine, it's an American film. Or literally it would have been fucking awesome because the, 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 like the, the conversation that Ronin slash Hawkeye has with like this Yakuza boss when he kills him in the street oh. it's not really anything that you need to need to hear it's not like that relevant and it would have been almost more badass if you just watched them on screen shouting at each other in Japanese and you had no idea what they're saying and there was a bit of mystique around it no what I no I completely disagree with this because what I loved about that is the is the the sort of crouching tiger hidden dragon kill billness of them going in with samurai swords and going and slashing 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 and then doing like very anime like you think this is over I will I will kill you and like it just kept on going in different rounds and with the music building up I thought it was it was it, I think it really worked um but my point about this is how after that scene, Jeremy Renner does such a convincing job of being a badass assassin. After that scene, he forgets. He's like, oh, I'm now back to my normal self. I've not just killed hundreds of people around the globe. Yeah. Which are, five, I... five years of being more prolific than Ted Bundy. It's <laughs> <laughs> not just Zac Efron coming soon. Uh, when, when is that film out? When is that film out? We need to talk about that. I don't care. There's been enough Ted Bundy films. At this no, point. but he was on Graham Norton the other night, and I was thinking, oh my god, how are we applauding this? Like, I studied psychology. Ted Bundy is fucking the most deviant person in America. Yep. And represented himself at court. Like, he didn't have a lawyer present. He just made his own case to the jury. Why are we giving him a platform and like? Why are we glamorizing it? Yeah, correct. But then the interesting... Oh, this is such a tangent. But the, the interesting converse argument I, I read to this the other day was that Zac Efron defends kind of his kind of making Ted Bundy seem cool and charming because that's exactly what Ted Bundy did. Mm. And it's how he killed so many women. And I get that, but I still feel like the film's going to come out and it's going to be quite tacky. And I don't think it's going to truly be justified. Yeah. But anyway, Tangent. Zach Efron coming soon. Um, Zach Efron would be a great Marvel character. But you're right, Ronin. Yeah, what would he be? I don't know. I'm trying to think of the not Marvel characters that come up name. Have you seen him with his bleached blonde hair recently? He kind of looks like a grown-up version of Dash from The Incredibles. Yeah. Oh, they did a live-action Incredibles film. They'd ruin it. 
Yeah, they would ruin it. But then, <laughs> but then Zach would be great. I don't care. They, they hire oh, Zach for that. I, uh, mate, I tell you what. I um. Oh, I've got, I've got it. Zach Efron, the new Johnny Storm in the reboot, Fantastic Four. Oh, Zac Efron as a human torch. Fucking yes. Yes, that's it. Yes. That's it. Yes. Get in. Will, you need to be a casting director. Fucking hell. I've never seen a, I've never seen a podcast episode we, we record Audacity with so much blocks of blue of like of just like us shouting. We literally we, we, we literally sat here on a sofa watching the sound on Will's laptop and we're gonna have to do a fuckload of editing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> if, if if your ears aren't bleeding, you're welcome. Yeah, yeah. You're not trying hard enough. Um yeah, so I What were we talking about? Rodin killed a load of people. Yeah. Shall we just go shall we go chronologically and give all the spoilers and well, I I thought let's just hit the big moments and discuss them. So okay, we, let's go. All right, so we talked about that moment. Yep. Um, opening twenty minutes, right? I thought this was quite clever. They fucking they get Thanos, they kill him with Captain Marvel's help. Thor goes for the head. You all know what happened. Within about twenty minutes, most of the trailers and the preamble for this film, which was obviously very closed off and very tight knit, not to give away anything is the first 15, 20 minutes of the film. Oh, immediate um, tangent, considering you've, we've just been on tangent. Go on. Um, the marketing for this film in not showing any of it is fantastic. Marvel has done such a good job with with not giving many spoilers to the, the film. The, the furthest part of the film that they gave away in trailers was watching... Iron Man and Captain America's feet walking towards Thanos with his big double-edged sword, which is obviously the fight, the start of the fight in the final sequence. Yeah, and the, and that's the that's the only giveaway to anything post Ant Man turning up and being like, "Hey guys, we can use these pin particles and go and get the stones." So there's two bits actually: Ant Man falling over a pencil. You're right. That is the second bit. That that appears at the end of the film. But all, but those are the only two moments, and those two moments are but, minuscule but in the trailer. Wh- but minuscule. Whooping Thanos early on, I thought was it, it was a really clever way to do it because it was like everyone has been agonising for the last year over like how are they going to defeat him how are they going to get him and it was this brilliant moment of realising that once he's done what he's done he's actually quite weak he doesn't really have any relevance he's not going to fight back against the decision he's already made that was always going to be a bit of a moot point Yeah. so watching him get axed was just like for a brief moment was very like yeah fuck you satisfying and then you realise as that like that five years later type comes up on the screen you were like ah that doesn't really solve anything for anyone no um and it was I, I just thought that was while I think that the plot then meanders for quite a while and it gets very fan servicey as they go into the quantum realm it's like oh Tony sees his dad Thor sees his mum like oh, I really like the Thor seeing his mum oh, I really like that scene I really liked it what do you what do you think about them bringing Natalie Portman back as a cameo as what Jane for Bond? one second for her to like rest she, her head literally like she wakes up and looks out of a doorway and she was probably paid. What do you think? There's actually there's like an online thing. There's like what, uh, it, it, how much like, Natalie Portman it, paid it, for it, the second? It's a, it's a poll. It's an online poll. It's like how much was Natalie Portman paid that's, to come back to Infinity War for eight seconds? That's fucking because, hilarious. Because when, when when I wa- when I watched it, and obviously it's one of those scenes that's like they use they use a lot of found footage from the previous movies, and when it was the scene of her waking up. I said to my mate Matt as we were living in the cinema, I was like, oh yeah, like that was just that, that was just something that they that was just footage that they had saved from for the Dark World. And Matt was like, no, 
they reshot that. That's part of the end game filming. And I was like, nah, like no way. Like, why would they why would they pay for her to come back literally just to wake up from a sofa? And look out of a door. But they did the and doc- they fucking did. But they did the they same fucking doc- did. They did the and- same with Doctor Strange in a way. Doctor J- Benedict Cumberbatch was on filming obligations for the whole way through Endgame. And then, so they shot and finished Endgame as a product. Then they brought Benedict Cumberbatch in for four days um, at the end of the film. Essentially just to do his like two or three moments. And most of what you see of, of Benedict Cumberbatch fighting in the end battle sequence is, an, is a actor with the very clever trickery that they've been doing recently. Skull duggery. The skull duggery of um, CGI face things. Because, oh, very big tangent. Michael Douglas, at one point in the film, what, as, as Hank, Jake's Hank Pym. Hank Pym. Ant-Man's mentor for Hank, anyone who hasn't watched the Ant-Man films. Nice. Go and watch the Ant-Man films. We've already <laughs> said this. Why are you still listening to us? Go and watch the Ant-Man films. There's one consistent theme of this podcast. Watch the Ant-Man films. Um, Hank Pym is de-aged in this film. And I think it's the best de-aging I've seen. Yeah, but the best re-aging in the film is right right at the end, where they make Chris Evans look fucking 100 years old. That's so good. And it looks so much like him. Neither of them, though, neither of those aging... They're using it a bit too much now, personally. But neither of those are as good as having Samuel L. Jackson act the whole of Captain Marvel looking like he was 30 years old. That was very That is fucking nuts. For a guy who's 74... Samuel L. Jackson is 74. Google it. I, I, Google it, Google it. Okay. You keep on talking, I will Google it. I'm this. pretty sure I'm right. Okay. Will's disagreeing. No, I, I, he's, I just he's can't got, believe it. I cannot he's, believe he's, it. He's got this look in his eyes. Um, it is pretty nuts, but I think they overuse the de-aging stuff in Marvel. Now that they've realised they can do it, how old is he? I'm trying to work out. It just says, born 1948. Please, born in 1948. <laughs> so born three years after the World War II. How is he that? He's 71 then. 71, yeah. Oh, not far off. No, but still, that's, um, he's not 71. <laughs> I, believe, I refuse to believe it. It's Hollywood. He de-aged. He, yeah, used a, he used a crazy alien formula to de-age by 20 years. Anyway, we, we, we've, we've gone over this point. Next big thing, Tony Stark as a dad. Yeah. Fucking, fucking dad goals, man. Uh, do you know what this well, proves? Well, well, well. I love you, 3,000. Oh, my God. And his daughter's called Morgan. I know. And Morgan is the name of Pepper Pot's eccentric uncle from the comics. Oh, that's genius. That's that's fucking genius. What I love love about this is that Marvel... um, I think we said at the beginning of this non-spoiler thing, we shouted Tony Stark dies. So we'll get to that in a bit. What I think is so beautiful is that... um, is that in Civil... No, in Cap, in Avengers 2, they, in my eyes, do a massive cop-out by not killing Hawkeye after introducing all of his family. And they're leading up to Hawkeye dying, they're leading up to Hawkeye dying, they're leading up to Hawkeye dying, and then Quicksilver takes the bullet. Um, and for me, it's like, oh... Well, that, well, Marvel... Oh, oh, okay, fair enough. Marvel couldn't kill a character with a wife and kids that are seen on the screen a lot. Yeah, I, I mean, and then they do with Tony Stark. And I was like, that is full circle. That is like redemption for Hawkeye. I really appreciate that. But his his relationship with Pepper... I was really worried because you didn't see Pepper Potts for a while. The last time we saw Pepper Potts was Tony on a jog with her saying, I need to go to work and then leaving and being transported out of the planet to fight the children of Thanos. So it is is quite nuts. And it's this interesting dynamic that they have where 
post-decimation, when they skip five years ahead, everyone is struggling. Like, no one is not struggling. But Tony, weirdly, has carved this niche where he's gone to live out in the middle of nowhere with Pepper. He's raised this beautiful daughter. And he's really found a grounding that his character has been trying to find for a decade. And so the, the, the stakes are higher for no one other than Tony in this film. Right from the offset, when the Avengers come to him and they say, look, we've got this idea, Ant-Man's got this fucking truck, it can take us back to Thor the Dark World. Tony is the one who has the reservations. He's the one who is like... I don't. What does he say to Captain America? Don't he says, fuck it up. I don't want to fuck he up." Say, this. He says, "We he he says we can't fuck this up because, ironically, Tony's life has probably become the best and most consolidated and calm it has ever been." We are talking about a fractured billionaire playboy who, through all three Iron Man films, has never truly settled, and it takes the decimation for him to actually find that part of his life that he has always been craving and so it is that's what makes it the biggest tragedy is the fact that he when they come to him with this plan and he knows he fucking knows in his heart there's this beautiful scene where Morgan's asleep and he's he he comes to Pepper and she's sat on the sofa by the fire and he's like he's really antsy because he knows that the Ant-Man tech is going to work and he knows that he can't go to sleep he says to Pepper he's like I could just throw this away and go to bed and we could forget that it was ever even possible. But Pepper knows and he knows that he is he's so geared to the truth and the cause that he can't throw away the knowledge. He what is it that Thanos says in Infinity War when he sees him? He says, Ah, oh, Tony, like he says, like, oh, I've heard of you or I know you, and he says, he says, You too are cursed with knowledge. And there is no better moment than identifying that in Endgame where Tony has realised fuck like we actually have another stab at reversing this and he's talking to Pepper and they both know he is is so cripplingly cursed with the ability to move forward with what he learns that he can't throw it away and that's what makes it the whole Iron Man arc in this film however predictable is the best part of this movie yeah I completely agree 100% the best part of this movie Captain America's journey through this film is really sweet really lovely he proves he's worthy which is one of the most badass moments oh 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 oh, dear god it's amazing one one of the one of the most badass moments in Marvel history is where you see Thor wielding both hammers but then Cap after the joke they have in Age of Ultron where they're all trying to pick up the hammer he actually does it and Thor's like my boy and and it's just this badass moment where it's just Captain America fighting Thanos with a fucking not only is uh, Mjolnir or whatever the hammer's called enchanted so that only people that are worthy can hold it but it's also enchanted that anyone that holds it has the powers of the God of Thunder so not only do you see Captain America fighting with Thor's fucking OG hammer but you see him fighting 
as for yeah, he's... with like the electricity and everything it's incredible and his journey obviously ends with Peggy and he goes back in time and he obviously stay, he stay, well, well, it's predictable <laughs> That's he brutal. stays there and he has to he lives out this beautiful life and then he comes back right at the end very old kind of at the end of his life and he bestows the shield upon Sam Wilson in the comics, Captain America hands the mantle down to Bucky Barnes. And I always expected that to be what's ha- what happened. But you know what? They pull the rug from underneath you because the whole time in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the sidekick, the true loyal companion to Chris Evans' Captain America has been the Falcon, yep. not Bucky Barnes. And it's this wonderful moment of them doing exactly what you don't expect them to do by giving it to him instead of Bucky. But they've got this this knowing look of Sam gets handed the shield and he instinctively looks at Bucky and Bucky, like Sebastian Stan, kind of nods approvingly like he always knew it was going to happen. Yeah. And it was probably, out of all the things they do differently to the comics, it was probably the most beautiful retouch, the most beautiful way of changing the way they norm traditionally tell that story. And what Because Mark- who 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 has been by his side? Not Bucky. Bucky's been a pain in the fucking ass for all the Captain America films. Yeah. He no was slightly redeemed in Civil War, but like no. Civil not really. War. Civil War. Um I think it's also incredibly important for a black considering what they did with Black Panther for a black African American actor to be Captain America that's bi- that's a big statement for Marvel pulling that's so beautiful do you think that he's going to have standalone films or do you think he's just going to be a Captain America that makes large cameos in future Marvel films I think what's I gonna, don't think they're going to give him standalone movies I think what's going to happen is that they're going to test him in a Captain America nope wrong they're going to test him in a in a movie about someone else yeah so, so and he, then and then if it's that successful and, yeah. they, and people respond well to him they'll give him his own movie. He, he, he'll like he'll like crop up in black panther 2 yep and they will use the audience to decide whether they're making another film that's yep. primarily sent yeah yeah really oh, will you full of other characters thor let's talk about thor's oh, yeah. journey thor, thor and hulk and tony stark uh, will end on okay well we also need to talk about captain marvel okoye Captain, uh, I'll say Captain Marvel again. <laughs> Can we talk about Captain right. Marvel quickly? Can we just talk about Thor? Let's talk about Thor. Let's talk about Thor. <laughs> if you like Ragnarok and you like the fact that Thor has kind of matured into this funny character with yeah. the sidekicks of Korg and Meek, you will love what happens. Personally, I really enjoyed where they led Thor at the end of Infinity War as a fucking badass with short hair who'd recovered his strength and is ready to just fuck the world up. I get why they did this whole, like, the crushing weight of not being able to solve Thanos turned him into, like, a beer-bellied glutton who sits in Norway and plays Fortnite on his sofa. Yeah. But it just felt really cringy, and I don't think that that storyline is going to age very well. No, I think that... I think it's I think it's a shame. I think that what I I wish that he was an alcoholic without being fat and playing Fortnite. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like they were playing to the younger audience, and I get it, fine. But people are gonna look back at this film in five years and that's gonna be like the 
you don't have to be a true Thor fan to be like, oh god, like do you remember that time they made Thor have a fake beer, a prosthetic beer belly, and prosthetic sh- beer shout belly. at someone with a microphone? Like, yeah, and also like prosthetic arms, like his arms were like flabby as well because they were having to. They probably yeah, had to put felt, on so much felt, like felt like a little Britain sketch, and that yeah, was what, it, it, it took it took away from it for me. You you could have made Thor this really bedraggled because Thor has a history in the comics and the and the films of losing his way and becoming a massive alcoholic and he the sin that Thor always falls into is gluttony yep. and that's like a big thing that runs through the comics and he's like there's a there's a well entrenched relationship with alcohol and, and, and depression but instead of making him look like a character from Come Fly With Me with really obviously fake prosthetics they, they could have just made him a really bedraggled homeless gruff yep. Thor what, yeah. who was funny because he's an alcoholic but didn't have to be this kind of overweight straight you know what I mean the belly was too much it reminded me of Bubbles to Veer from Little Britain <laughs> got him in Bubbles darling. Got in Bubbles. everybody does everybody does um, uh, I think the next one we need to mention is Hulk Hulk in this film yeah so basically Thor hopefully he'll have a new film they, they, they leave it that he might weirdly be in Guardians 3 I think he will be in Guardians 3 I think he'll be part of the team I think there should be a Thor 4 but I think it should actually be led by Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie. I think it should be. I think it should be a Valkyrie film with Thor becoming a, a, a fairly major side character. I love Tessa Thompson. You're, I love. You're not a fan. I loved her action in this film. I could not stand her acting. Oh. I, I mean, she's a great really, character. I think she's a great character, and I've appreciated her in Thor. I've appreciated her in Thor: The Dark World. I've appreciated her in Ragnarok. I have not. I did not appreciate her in this film. I appreciated when she was battling because she on that Pegasus was fucking oh incredible. My God, but yeah. in terms of her acting in this film, I just felt it was a bit stunted. I just felt like it was like, oh, this is Thor's psychic, and I was like, I'm not. I'm not too interested. I agree with you that generally over the whole build-up of the Marvel Universe with that character. I like the character. I just think this film was a bit... It felt way too cameo than it should have been. But that's my problem with this film, is there are a lot of characters who don't nearly get enough of a look in and they get quite an insincere treatment. She's an example... Captain Marvel's an example. Oh, here now, we, we go. We, we joke. Here we go. Right, this, this was one of the most kind of cunning marketing ploys in Marvel history. They forced you to think that Captain Marvel was the most relevant part of Endgame. And that came, the thread for that came through from the end of Infinity War, which was the one bit they left you biting at the bit for was... Nick Fury calling Captain Marvel before he faded away which made everyone for a year think oh my god here we fucking go Captain Marvel is going to be the saviour she's going to be the most relevant part theories abounded last month Captain Marvel came out we reviewed it I thought it was terrific alright film Ollie thought it was terrific I was like fine good seven right it, it was it was it was better than I thought it was going to be, but it didn't really give you anything in terms of how she's going to get involved. But then the month between that film coming out and Endgame releasing, almost all of the marketing was geared towards her arriving and meeting the Avengers, her presence, etc., etc. Now, she does a great job in the first twenty minutes of bringing Nebula and Tony back to Earth and fucking caning Thanos in the face. Yeah. But then she fucks off. She fucks off for the rest of the film. She's there for the final fight because, I mean, let's be honest, if you haven't RSVP'd to that, are you even a Marvel superhero? Yeah. 
But she just like it, it, she was such an irrelevant character in the end. The, and the it, reason and it, that she fucked off is that um, with the snap, she was like, "I've got to protect the rest of the universe because I'm so powerful." I was like, "No, we just established that you like love Earth. Like, be a bit more on Earth. Be a bit more contactable. Help with finding the Infinity Stones. Ha- try and create a new relationship with the character." Because, now, also... because what she does now is not set up anything with Captain Marvel in the future. Ooh. She's just this character that will sometimes, occasionally, save the day by doing a massive power blast in someone's face yeah and it also like the the decimation took away Nick Fury kind of her closest earth friend and it probably there's a 50-50 chance that it also took away that woman who is her best mate from the Air Force in oh, Captain Marvel. Oh, yeah, I never thought and, about that. And her daughter, who she calls, like, Lieutenant Trouble or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And th- so, basically, the three characters that Captain Marvel holds most dear as friends live on Earth. At least one of them died. You would be more invested in solving this problem yep. than she actually seems in this film. The only thing I will redeem it for is the fact that they give her, post-decimation, they give her the true Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel short hair. So good. It's brilliant. So they, good. they finally decided, right, now the first film was a success. We don't actually have to give her any kind of like straight sex appeal anymore by having the long flowing blonde hair. Let's actually take a risk and give her the fucking hair that she actually has in the comics kudos to that massive kudos to that a little bit too much too late but i just i i really like that nod of them appreciating the fact that now she's kind of truly transformed into the original captain marvel character she's not she's not this captain marvel with long hair that's trying to sell tickets to a hollywood movie she is captain marvel yes she is Captain. and marvel. that was that was that was cool that, that was cool. cool um i can't say the same for black widow's hair post decimation oh oh my god it's like the most botched tie-dye job anyone's ever done on hair. Well, I, th- I what I thought was going to happen is Speak that she... Speak to me, Will. You've dyed your hair before, I <laughs> What I thought would happen is that she'd dye her hair halfway, and then by the time that she got to the quantum realm, it would be in the exact same hair that she got introduced with. Yeah. Like the, the Iron Man 2 hair, the long ginger hair with curls in it. And then, I, then Avengers 1, she went for the short ginger hair, and then since then it's been... Very like the, it was the long straight hair in in um I think it was Captain America Two Winter Soldier and then um it was back to that hair in Avengers and then in Blonde anyway it doesn't matter I thought it would go I thought it'd be a nice touch if they went back to the Iron Man Two hair but no they did a weird tie dye job of like having ginger hair apart from the ends of the hair which were bright blonde very weird yeah ridiculous um, very ridiculous. very very weird um, are there any characters we haven't discussed Hulk. Well, very quickly on the Hulk, it's not that exciting. Um, after the effect, so Hulk's storyline recently has been Thor Ragnarok. Um, he was not a he was had lived the, as the Hulk as how many years without turning back into Bruce? Uh, it's been a couple of movies. No, no, but he was the Hulk for Thor, Thor Ragnarok. Forever. Yeah, and then in Infinity War, he was like... Just Bruce Banner. He he needed some gamma Viagra. He wasn't getting his Hulk up. Indeed, indeed, <laughs> indeed. Yeah, that 48-hour shit. Um, um, yeah, I, and then this film, he finds a way in all the chaos to bring the two together. And reconcile their differences. Who is fucking fit I've no, uh, I've never seen a hotter Hulk his green body but with like the Bruce Banner like right, CGI right, well, slow your roll so hot um, um. <laughs> 
Um, Pro- Professor Hulk is an established character in the Marvel yeah, Comics yeah. universe. He's this blend of Hulk who has the intelligence of Bruce Banner, the ability to speak, but also has kind of like 80% of the size of full Hulk mode. Um, I didn't vibe with it. I thought it was a good bit of comic relief, but I felt like Thor was already providing that. And what I found was when you had Thor with a beer belly and semi-Hulk, it all became a little bit too cringe for me and it wasn't really doing what it expected to. I wanted to see Bruce help do all the Quantum Realm stuff and then when it came to the final fight, go fucking beast mode and actually really give... I, I want. I wanted, in the final sequence, I wanted like a five-minute bit where Hulk really tried to get his own back yeah. after fighting Thanos right at the start of Infinity War on Thor's ship with the Asgardians. I wanted to see him really fucking sock in one because everyone's always had this debate. Who's technically more powerful when it comes to physical brute force, Hulk or Thanos? And it's always like... it's always quite a heated conversation and I wanted to see that on screen I wanted to see full Hulk finally like you kill Black Widow Bruce always adored her he always secretly loved her like fuck you moment I wanted to see him really go ham because of what Thanos led Black Widow to do right this is my and and all that you got from a character who they kind of they made this love story happen for about six or seven years between Black Widow and Bruce Banner and he fucking flew himself away on a ship because he was so afraid of what she'd think of him and all this kind of stuff all it really came to is Black Widow died they all came back to Avengers HQ Clint explained what happened and Bruce, I think at throws one point, he Pro- Professor Hulk punches something, and then a few minutes later, in another scene, says something like, "I really miss her, Cap." Like that's that's all you get. That's all you get. And I think it really sullies Black Widow's name for Bruce to not really go into rage mode as a result of her dying. I just don't think it was dealt with in the way it needed to be dealt with. That's what they should have done. They should have had Professor Hulk for the first half of the movie and then as soon as Natasha dies, he turns back into Bruce and Hulk. And that's that's that would you're right, that's exactly you, what they should have you done. Should, you should have had him I like Professor Hulk. You should have had him gone really, really mad as a result of it. You there, there were no characters in this film who in Infinity War, you had people crippled by guilt, people that really turned and got really angry because of Thanos' actions. In this film, Thanos is kind of besides the point. Even though he's in the final fight and he's the end objective, he doesn't nearly command the presence like he does in Infinity War. He's almost kind of irrelevant. He hardly gets any screen time. Most of his screen time is just talking to Gamora and Nebula and trying to figure out what they're doing in the past. And it all kind of, to me, while I'm complaining about the Hulk character, I'm complaining about Thanos, Thanos was this incredibly engaging, omnipotent, evil character. And in this film, he didn't have anywhere near the pull that I was hoping he would have. I wanted them to do something towards the final act of this film where Thanos got a leg up on them and was like, fuck you, I've done something that's really like messing up your plans, and put the stakes back in motion. This film peters along, where they like don't really know how they're going to do it. Then they have this mission that they can't, like, they have to go and get the stones, but they don't really face any major disruptions while doing that. Then, 
they in- inevitably face Thanos and they beat him seemingly quite easy compared to the two or three fights they have with him in Infinity War. And it just, to me, was to the character's detriment because it felt like Thanos was this, like, Jesus Christ, he's bringing twists and turns throughout Infinity War and he just didn't in Endgame. It all felt quite smooth, quite linear. And there weren't any shocks in this film that came from the villain itself. And that disappointed me. I wanted something that Thanos did that was, like, truly evil. I wanted, like, in the final fight, I wanted him to, like, have a leg up on Captain America and actually, like, crush his head. Or, like, an alternative way of dealing with the Captain America story could have been, like, let's say, for example, Thanos, like suddenly gets a leg up on him crushes his head kills him and in the final moments of the film once they've actually solved the conflict Bucky hands the shield to Sam and says he would have wanted you to have it or something like that Mm. do you know what I mean like there are other ways this could have gone that I felt could have been more impactful or strangled Nebula and Gamora together and killed them could have killed them could have killed them right I I just like I don't know it wasn't as it wasn't as confrontational as I was needing it to be Thanos didn't really deliver anything in this film that I felt was truly worth talking about um, the, the one speech I like from Thanos is that the fact he's like I was wrong killing half the population will not solve all of the world's problems because there's memory and memory will breed rebellion and etc what I'm now going to do is kill the whole whole population and then repopulate it with people that won't have remembered the past earth I liked that I liked that resolution of how Thanos learns from like his future self everything yeah. else about Thanos in this film for me I'm like meh <clears throat> but like I- and I, I don't think this film was about Thanos. I think Infinity War was completely about Thanos. I think this film was about Tony Stark. But they also, they also like, yes, obviously. No, but the, yeah, the, I, the, I agree. The people, still, yeah, the the villains. Sorry, the the decimated come back. Your your Black Panthers, your Spider Men, etc. They all return for the final fight. And they have these little interactions where, like, Tony and Spider-Man embrace and Doctor Strange gives Tony a weird look and fucking, I don't know, Black Panther and Captain America high-five or whatever. Like, they have all these little moments. But they kind of shoehorn themselves. Because of Tony's death, they shoehorn themselves into this ending where they can't truly give the people who have returned... The justice. Who, the justice. So, no, I felt so, that- so, so, so not once... Do they do anything to show the trauma that the people that were snapped away went through? Like, Spider-Man comes back and he's like, Tony, I've been gone for five years. And then all of a sudden, Doctor Strange was like, we need to get together and do this. And now we're here. Like, they don't once show the gravity or the trauma of what those characters have gone through. And they don't nearly give them enough screen time at the end of the film. For example, like Spider-Man greets Tony and then says goodbye to him as he's dying. Black Panther shouts, Ibombe! And then does a few fights. Nick Fury is present at Tony Stark's funeral, but in the fucking background, the guy who create like initiated the Avengers program doesn't even fucking say anything in this film. One word. I just want one speech that he has right. to Captain America. And, and I just, or, yeah, or Tony and, in the beginning of the film. And, and another example, um, Shuri comes back 
one of the most beloved characters in the Marvel franchise at the moment doesn't say anything. You don't really see her fight. Chris but, Pratt. I think right? Chris Pratt is the big one. Chris yes. Pratt hardly hardly said anything. Chris- didn't didn't nearly have enough of a reconciliation with Gamora. I don't even want to talk about it. I just want to. It, it's ridiculous. It was, it me but, but it but it is it is ridiculous, isn't it? Like um another example, Okoye. Uh, so Black Panther's kind of number one. Uh, I can't Who remember. survives? Who survives Infinity right. War? She gets nothing. She survives Infinity War, and like Captain Marvel, is just fucking mugged off to go and deal with something else. Yeah. That's not how it would happen. Okoye should have been a central character helping them on their journey, and would have been a really interesting character to have alongside Black Widow, or alongside uh, Captain America. Like, imagine if Captain America had gone through the whole Hydra sequence, trying to get the Tesseract back, yeah. and Okoye was there as well, like, in that elevator, and, and, like, helping. Like, that would have been really cool. And that was my problem, is I feel like in Endgame, compared to Infinity War, they didn't nearly match up characters with enough chemistry as much as they did in Infinity War, like even Nebula and like Rhodes um, going to knock out Chris Pratt in the past and steal the like the Soul Stone or whatever, like that. Even that, like the 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 conversation was just really flat. I've never and seen so, so Nebula they, was the worst use she's ever been in any Marvel. Yes, yeah, she was, was just was, an exposition dump. It was so sad what they did because I she, I love Karen Gillan. I'm so happy she's Nebula. I'm always gonna be so happy she's Nebula. Nothing. But, this film yeah. she was a nothing character. Yeah, so, she had like plot points, but she didn't have the emotional intensity. So they did. Of, of, of any of her previous performances. So, so that is, I think that's the final point I'll make about this film is they, they didn't nearly give the characters that were snapped away enough of a look in and there were core characters that they could have utilised that survived the snap that should have been involved and could have provided much more entertaining dialogue and strange conversations that just weren't involved and it's like do you remember when um, the Infinity War poster came out and we talked about it a while back there was that whole drama of Okoye wasn't included on the Infinity War like the end game poster yeah. and like the internet was up in arms and they included her the reason now that I can see that she wasn't included in the poster is because she's not in the fucking film didn't have any lines she's not in the didn't have any lines. It's ridiculous. It's, it is ridiculous. I, I think she had one or two lines. I, I'm so willing to forgive this film for some of the beautiful moments it has, but if you reviewed this film standalone, just as a movie, it would get shit reviews. Oh, I disagree. I think it's a really good movie nonetheless. I think that there are just a couple of problems with the I just think there's the unbelievable, service. unbelievable pacing issues. Uh... Yeah, but then I also like the pacing issues. I like the fact that it takes time and it takes a bit of time. But the you, middle part but, of the film I struggle with. you like with. that because of the characters that you've adored over the years. If you were watching it as just a standalone film with none of the fan service aspect to it, this film is flawed. I, I agree, but I also think that this film is never going to be a standalone film with, with just the fan service. The original Avengers, maybe. Yeah, this fi- This film relies completely on everything to do with the fans. Yeah. And if you if you try and watch it as a standalone film, what are you doing? You can't do it. Yeah, you true. cannot watch this film as a standalone film. Yeah, just, I'll take that. I'll take yeah. that. You, so, I, I, in the same way, I don't think you can watch Infinity War so in, but, as a standalone film. So before we go on to Critic Quote Awards... Um, I saw this. I, so I've got this in front of me. Will hasn't seen it before. I played Avengers Bingo 
uh, courtesy of Empire Magazine. That's I had, Empire Magazine. Sorry, I, just, I, I had a, um, <laughs> I had a I had a funny interaction on the tube the other day where I was kind of posting on the fifty two week film project social media, and this guy was noticing that I was like talking about in game and a few films, and he tapped me on the shoulder and he said, oh, "I took my headphones out. I was thinking, oh my god, it's eight thirty in the morning. What does this fucker want?" <laughs> um, and he was like, "Oh, I saw that you're a bit of a film buff. Like, I've just finished my Empire Magazine. Do you want it?" And it was just, it was adorable. He Lovely gave me his Empire too. Magazine. I read it on the way. To work but inside that magazine was avengers bingo um so i played this the other night but i thought we'd just run through the bingo and check off the things that actually happened so there are 25 things on the bingo let's see how many actually happened so a major character dies tony check. stark sad thanos drives an infinity tractor no doesn't happen sexual tension between thor and captain marvel no because he's not in the film all right i'll give you that someone cries yeah me Korg. Korg. Korg is yeah. there in the film. Rocket steals an appendage. Didn't happen. No, he didn't happen, actually. Rocket was in this film quite just the quantum realm. A big tick. Happened. Thor goes for the head this time. Check. Yeah, literally to- check. Tony saves the day. Check. check. I could do this all day. Check. check. Hilarious moment. Yeah. Captain America fighting himself. I could do this all day. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, my favourite thing about that thing is like, damn, that is that is America's ass. It's the funniest line ever. I was... Steve saves the day. Check. check. Peter Parker makes a pop culture reference. Not check. Not check. Two sentences. Yep. Uh, Hawkeye gets a haircut. Check. Gamora saves the day. Not check. Semi-check? Well, she, she convinces Nebula, Nebula to... Unnebulize herself from the other nebula. So many nebulas. So many nebulas. <laughs> Nebulosis. Um, Atiri finds the handle. Don't know what that means. Captain Marvel saves the day. No. Yes. No. Yes. She thinks she saves the day and they don't. She Five destroys Thanos' ship and otherwise they would have all died. Ant Man goes up Thanos' ass. Sadly, that's unchecked. And no, no, yeah, not true. What does Ant Man even interact with Thanos? Because I feel like Ant Man is the one character that could could just punch Thanos and knock Thanos out. Yeah, or he's he literally just... a Goliath, huge man. He probably could do that. Mm. Time travel, the whole Check. film. Yeah, <laughs> someone other than Thanos wields the gauntlet. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. I don't want to say it, but check. Yeah, no. Um, Avengers Assemble. Yes! That check. was a great bit. I love that bit. When they when they finally like give fan service and say Avengers Assemble. Avengers great. slow motion team, so- team shot. Yes, yeah. but massively dominated by uh, Valkyrie on Pegasus. Yep. Stan Lee cameo. Check. Small. Not the best Stan Lee cameo. Do you know what I would have liked? I know this this might not work with because I also think that Steve Rogers' old person double was fantastic. But similar to the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who, I would have liked if the old version of Steve Rogers is Stan Lee. Yeah. And he has that last scene. Yeah. Uh, Professor Hulk, check. Goose the cat saves the day. Why the fuck was Goose the cat not in this film? I don't care. I'm scrunching up the fucking bingo. If if Captain America didn't get a look in, at the very least, Goose the cat should have done. Indeed. All they need need to deal with Thanos is a fucking flurkin. Yeah. A flurkin. Um, That's true, actually. They're they're, they're dominating creatures. They are dominating creatures. And if Samuel L. Jackson is scared of them, then Thanos should be. Indeed. Um, Let's go on to Critic Quote Awards. Now, this was tough. Because I need a wee. (laughs) This was tough. Yeah, I also need a wee. Much like being in a three-hour film. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I I actually read an article before going into watching Endgame, which was like, if you need to pee, which you will, in brackets, during Avengers Endgame, this is when you should go. Nice. And there were two moments, and I used 
confused both of them. The first moment was when Hulk sits down for lunch. You know, like the scrambled egg scene. No! Funniest moment in the film! Yeah, I'm sure it is. But Shocking! It, funny, but it had nothing to do with the plot. No, I agree. Second moment was when Captain America and Iron Man go to New Jersey when they just arrive and they're like driving in the car. Oh yeah, that is no- right? nothing happens. Massively irrelevant. But the thing is, when I got up with the Hulk bit, no one really like looked at me scathingly. When I got up for the New Jersey bit, which I knew was coming, where what was happening was Iron Man and Captain America were saying like, do you trust me? Yeah, I do. And they were like, we only have one pin particle left. We've got to make this count. When I got up and left, because I knew that nothing relevant was going to happen for the next few minutes, people like were like tutting at me. They were like, oh my God, you fucking idiot. I can't believe that you're leaving right now. This is clearly going to be the most relevant part of the film. I was like, hello, I researched this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we do a podcast about this. I know. Exactly. <laughs> I read the Metro. Um, um, but yes, we both need a wee, so let's get this along. Critic Quote Awards. What was your best description Now I think for my, Avengers Endgame? I'm really happy with my best description because I think it sums up my Oh, look at me. I'm well. I'm really happy. It's from... <laughs> shut up. Rafa Guzman from Newsday. What the Deathly Power... Whoop, immediately fucks it up. Drunk. Um, what the Deathly Hallows was to Harry Potter, what Return of the Jedi was to the original Star Wars, this gargantuan endgame will be to the Avengers. And I agree with that because Return of the Jedi and Deathly Hallows is not my favourite Harry Potter film. Yeah, it is the culmination, yeah. but it is nowhere near the best Harry Potter film. Return of the Jedi I actually hate most parts. I I, I skip through the parts of the Yeah, universe. but then but then the the reason I struggle with that is because Return of the King was my favourite Lord of the Rings film. Oh, that's the explanation. that's the that's the opposite. Yeah. Um I love Two Towers better. I think Helm's Deep as a sequence is, is cooler. And I think that I, I get scared at the Frodo Sam bit in Oscalia. So mine is best description from James Berardinelli, our man at Real Views. We yeah. do love him. Um, he said, Avengers Endgame isn't as brash, surprising or relentless as its predecessor, but it's a worthy conclusion to the Infinity War duology and provides a satisfying end to the first Avengers era. Yeah. I think it does. You're right. It's never going to be my favourite Avengers film, but it ties everything up very well. There are people that are going to take more from this film than I did but i can appreciate that it out of the four avengers films how does this rank for me i would say it would go infinity war endgame i'm gonna count civil war original then ultron ultron's terrible what what, what, what would you say i think i'd be the same i think i'd be infinity war um four i'd then say yeah one civil war um ultron Ultron was bad. There were certain moments of Ultron that I liked, but Ultron was a bad film in general. I was yeah, not it interested. Was. It was. Uh, what was your most savage quote for Endgame? Because uh, I, I do respect the fact that there are critics out there who aren't just willing to love this film. Yeah. They are willing to, like, <clears throat> criticise and give it an edge and really, like, dig into whether it was truly a good film or not. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, so my... Uh, most savage coke coke my most savage coke (laughs) my most savage quote is from Ruben Sapphire from Cinemalog and he says if Avengers Infinity War was a treatise now just for viewers who don't know what treatise meant because I didn't know what it meant either it's a written work dealing formally or systematically with the subject um if, if Avengers Infinity War was a treatise on the freshman year political science theories of an intergalactic evil monger, Thanos, then its follow-up is an epic poem of, on the cosmic futility on the Marvel Universe. Oh, My drop! 
I think that person used too many big words. Jesus, I, sophisticated bird. No, but it's not even sophisticated. I think that he's just doing that for the sake of doing that. Yeah. Like, whenever in English I say, we were always told, you need to be making sense. You don't need to just be putting in the most crazy words. Yeah, you're right. To do it. I, I always go, ignore them. They go thesaurus heavy. Exactly. Um, Anthony Lane from The New Yorker is... I would say more savage without saying anything anywhere near as fancy. He says, you can easily duck out during the middle hour. Uh, I saw do, this. Do some shopping and slip back into your seat for the climax. You won't have missed a thing. That was so close to my most savage. Yeah, he's, he's savage about that. Okay, um, best moment. Oh, Christ, it's hard, isn't it? Because no matter how much I'm willing to rip into this film, there are some wonderful moments. I've got uh, best moment and funniest moment. Oh, I've got hit me with your best and funniest moments. My best moment is uh, either Thor and his mother, because I think that that was not a scene that I was ever expecting to be in this movie, but actually I really appreciate it. Um, or, and obviously Tony Stark's death. I think that the, the, the Tony Stark's death, the point where Tony Stark says from I am Iron Man to the funeral, that whole part of the film is stunning. Everything to do with Tony Stark's death is handled so fantastically, I think. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think um, I have two favourite moments. The first moment was kind of indicative of how, what I was hoping the film would lead on to and then actually wasn't. So the opening scene with Hawkeye teaching his daughter um, the archery and his wife setting up the picnic, Yeah, I thought that whole scene, because you know when it starts, when it opens with that, you're like, oh, fuck, he's going to watch his family fade away in front of him. It was brilliant I was watching it thinking oh my god here we fucking go this is just going to be a fucking nuts three hours yeah. sadly it didn't live up to what I was truly expecting from that opening scene but that scene itself was incredible however the I, I, I defy anyone who disagrees that this was one of the um, sweetest touches one of the best moments in the film is uh, John Favreau oh I so cried the, yeah. ca- the character of Happy yeah sat there after the funeral with Morgan, Tony's daughter, telling her about how he'll buy her however many cheeseburgers she ever wants in life. And it, and it is the from the guy who started it all, the guy who not only starred in but directed the original Iron Man film, it was the most touching, most beautiful moment I think I've ever watched in a Marvel film. Well done, John it Favreau. Was, it was you have Believable. You have created not only one of the best moments in the Marvel films, but also one of the one of the most amazing franchises was your film. So thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, you were the genesis. You were the genesis. Thank you so much for everything you've done for this franchise. Genesis, that'd be a good name for an Infinity War film, wouldn't it? Well, the, Avengers the, Genesis. Yeah, the next inevitable eight. Where yeah, it'd t- be where... like it'd be like Tony Stark, Captain America, and Thor as babies. Yeah. Well, yes. I think I think we should end the podcast somewhere around here. Oh no, we haven't done our rating. We haven't done our rating. Oh, there's important parts. Yeah. What would you give it? Eight. Damn. I still love it. I've said so many negative things about it, but it's still the culmination of what is, I think, a ten film. I think Infinity War is the only film that I've come across recently that is a ten. It's unbelievably hard off one viewing to give it a rating I, yeah. I, I'd say I'd give it an 8.5 I think it was it was fantastic and I, it's so easy to criticise but there's so much impressive work that's gone on and it does so many of the right characters justice but it just didn't do enough for me with the other characters that I truly care about um, but yeah 8.5 I think it was it was a I terrific like, film I I'm, I'm, just... I'm looking forward to watching it again sometime this weekend I think I might change my opinion to 8.5 as well just because 
I think that I'm. I think that eight is slightly a bit harsh because there are moments of that film that's ten. Yeah, I mean, we gave that Aquaman an eight, didn't we? Oh God, no! Oh God, <laughs> this but is the problem I, with the eight. Aquaman is an epic that spans five different underwater species. Will don't talk to me about Aquaman. Aquaman's a fantastic film. It's just not. It's just not as good as Avengers Endgame. Anyway, and um, well, that is that. Avengers Endgame review. I know, we've finally done it. Who'd have thought that when we thought about doing the podcast because of Avengers Infinity War? We actually did. Avengers Infinity War came out a month before we started the 52-week film project. That was the, 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 the two films that we watched while we were planning the pod but didn't review on the pod were this and Deadpool, Deadpool 2. 2. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, fascinating. Well, anyway, that's it for the Avengers Endgame review. Thank you very much for listening, as always. We are shaking things up a bit, so we've got 12 episodes left for the 52-week film project. We're not going to be doing it every week now. We've decided that rather than just reviewing films for the sake of reviewing them, we're going to pick movies we genuinely care about, which will mean that... Do them justice. Do big deep dives, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which means that we are going to probably be recording every two or three weeks. We're going to truly be picking films we actually want to watch watch we'll probably be getting more guests on board as well so there might be episodes where it's will and a guest like he did last episode there might be somewhere it's me and a guest uh which we've yet to do which is exciting stuff but the next film in the calendar for us is detective pikachu which comes out on the 10th of may yeah are you excited for it yes i i've just been was and I'm not so much at the moment, but then I've been told a new trailer's out and I'm getting quite hyped for it. Will, Will's breaking out the DS. He's been playing, what, Pokemon Red? Sun. Sun. The new Sun game, which changes the whole Pokemon format and makes it fantastic. It's a fantastic game. Although I haven't played it for two days because Pokemon is not a game you enjoy. Pokemon is a game that you struggle with and it's like it's like raising a family. You hate most of it all the time and then eventually when you've got everyone to level 100, you're like, oh, I love my family. I'm sad that I'm going to stop playing this game. This is the thing. That's what Pokemon is. I've just spent five, six days playing it like a lot of the time to only realise that I wanted to evolve a Pokemon and you could only evolve the female form and the male form. It's level 45, it evolves at level 33 normally. So I'm furious. So there you have it. Will is building life skills <laughs> from a portable games console for children. Um, and with that, we will see you in a couple of weeks' time for Detective Pikachu. Thank you very much, Will. Thank you very much, Jake. And we will see you all soon. Tony Stark's dead.